weird, obscure, impossibly unsafe. Hey guys. Hey. Hey. What's why don't up? Why don't vampires have any friends? Oh God, why? Because they're a pain in the neck. <laughs> no. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I think you can do better than that. <laughs> Ooh, she's challenging your knock-knock joke game. Okay. Who does Dracula get letters from? Count Dracula? His fang club. His fang oh. club. Oh. <laughs> I was picturing, like, alphabet letters. Okay. <laughs> are there any like others? The count? Oh, no, that those are numbers. <laughs> what... What's a vampire's favorite fruit? A blood orange? Ooh, that's actually a good answer, but no. Oh. I don't know. A nectarine. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Gross. <laughs> that's that's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> just kidding. Um, oh, wait, you have more? Yeah, I just oh, I just gosh. pulled up a website that just has a bunch of Dracula jokes. No, because <laughs> um, I was thinking about vampires because Anne Marie covered vampires a couple weeks ago, and um, yeah. Anyways, I will spare you the rest of them. But just uh, one more, one more, one more. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which building does Dracula visit in New York? The Eiffel Tower. No, no. In New York City, <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> I got my, my. I'm all mixed up. I'm sorry. The Vampire State Building. <laughs> Did you find this website? No. That's Is that the right? correct answer. Wow. It's you, the Vampire State Building. Oh my gosh. See, you came you, back. You guys doubted me. I knew it all along. It was a joke. I did doubt you when you said the Eiffel Tower was in New York City, but. You were just you were pretending that you didn't know. Yeah. That's me. Mm, pretending. Yeah. And then you just came out with mm. the, the right answer. Man. Yeah. You really knocked him dead with that last one. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. <laughs> Undead. <laughs> <laughs> this can't go on. <laughs> To our dear listeners, I'm sure you want to reach through the the your earphones right now and just strangle me, but uh, <laughs> or bite or bite or bite. But uh, I promise we'll get on to some some weird and obscure stuff quickly. But first, we gotta we gotta say our names. This might be a first somebody's first time listening. I'm Jacob. I'm Anna Marie, and I'm Melissa. How's Great. everybody doing? Does anybody so so? Do any of you have updates this week? How's everything going? Um, things are good. I mean, I don't know. What do What have you guys been doing, Anna Marie? I want to hear your story first. Um, I've just been working, and we binged you on Netflix yes. this week. Um, which was fun. It's very good. Well. Did you, I shouldn't say very good. What did you think it of it compared to the show. first season? Um, the the particular twist at the end, I like half saw it coming. Uh, I, I don't want to give. Was, I don't want to give away. There was like there was like three twists for every single episode. So like I, 
never knew what was going on at all. <laughs> Did you feel personally. a little whiplash? Yeah, but I really liked it. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. Yeah. It's super fun to yeah. watch. Um, I agree. I kind of feel like I liked both seasons, but the first season for me, I don't know. I got a little bit annoyed with like, why is she, the, the girl, I don't remember her name. Beck. Beck. Why is she dealing with all this? Like, he's really annoying and obviously crazy. But the second season, I feel like I just liked the characters more. I don't know. Yeah. But I both like seasons the- good. Sorry, what'd you say? Both seasons good. Yeah, that's true. Um, but other than that, I feel like uh, <laughs> that's really been it. <laughs> um, I mean, we've been we've been having fun with the Subaru dealership trying to get them to replace an engine that uh, died for no reason. Yeah. But we don't really need to talk about that. No, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> Turn those frowns upside down yeah <laughs> that's what this podcast is for yeah boy do i have a recommendation for you to flip those <laughs> frowns upside down oh. actually <laughs> actually no it's actually not a happy story oh <laughs> um i've also binge watched a show on netflix called unbelievable which has tony collette in it and oh nice um some other peeps but basically the whole story is about well i just gonna do a sidebar but go ahead oh okay i couldn't tell if you're gonna cough or something no um basically the whole story is about this girl who gets raped and there's like no evidence and she goes to the police station they like don't they start to not believe her and then they actually end up charging her with um filing a false police report uh and then it's basically the story of these other detectives tony collette Uh, is one of them and i don't know the other actress's name but they are like doing a real investigation and it's based on a true story, but it like these amazing detectives who really follow through. Um, yeah. That's so messed up. It makes me so mad. Yeah. Like yeah. they, they charged her and she didn't even accuse anyone. She ended up just like, all right, I, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, but she <laughs> no, just, it's, I, no. I watched the first episode or two of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure why I didn't go back. It wasn't because I didn't like it. Cause mm-hmm. I really did. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's hard to watch. It is. Um, because it is so messed up and really frustrating. Um, but, yeah, I hadn't gotten to the part where uh, the other detectives come in yet. That is, I think, in episode... Episode one is all about the the first girl. And then episode two is about the second girl. That's where the other detectives start to get involved. Oh. And then episode three is like... They make start to make connections, and you know he's a serial rapist all across the state of Colorado. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I think I just watched episode one, but yeah. um, cool. It's to watch if you can get past it. There's some. It's like it's pretty intense, but good watch. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how that's supposed to turn our frowns upside down. <laughs> Entertainment? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I can. I can. I think I can. I think I can piggyback off of that and actually say something delightful that happened this week because tony collette was awesome in knives out and we finally saw knives out oh you did and it was I so good it was so good oh, well, it's just like a perfect whodunit i would definitely go see it again if you want to go see it <laughs> i've been we got six dollar tickets on tuesday over here wow i love mystery movies so much it's so good and have you seen that really awful um, Murder on the Orient Express that came out just a few years ago. No. It was so disappointing. I no. love Paro and they 
messed it up. It was so bad. Oh, here's my here's my controversial opinion that will lose us all. Maybe a bunch of the followers that we might have at this point. Um, all so three of them. Ryan Johnson directed Knives Out. Knives yes. Out was like a perfect, I think, uh, whodunit. Mm-hmm. He also, in my opinion, directed the best of the new Star Wars movies. But he did. I'll digress there. Which one did he do? Can you remind me? I remember looking this up. The Last Jedi. So the second one in the yeah. newest trilogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You think that's the best one? Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. right. I'll die on that hill. Okay. I will. I will. <laughs> Honestly. An argument for another time. Yeah. Yes. Do you do you disagree with me? Of course. Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's hash this out later. Yeah. Cool. All, All right. right. Well, do we want to get started? Sure. Are you guys ready to hear about SpongeBob conspiracy theories? Oh my god. Yes. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay, so I had so many sources. I did not expect. This is the most sources I've used for anything so far. So Wikipedia, a VH1 article by Christopher Rosa, SpongeBob SquarePants page of Fan Theories Wiki, HuffPost article by Bill Bradley, <laughs> nice. a Cracked article by Vicky Veritas, a Daily Mail article by Andre Tartar, an Inside article by Kat Ten bars and the creepy pasta wiki. Oh my gosh! Wow. Wait, SpongeBob is on creepy pasta. Oh my god! We'll get into the creepy pasta. Okay. Wow. <laughs> this is about to ruin my childhood. Maybe. That's a or like literally, literally me and my friends. Like a spe- you know, um, well, a couple of my friends from high school. We can literally just like only communicate in SpongeBob quotes. Oh yeah. So I mean, like it's just like so ingrained in me. Yeah. You know. So I really feel like you're kind of poking around at something sacred a little bit for me. You, you know what, Jake? So. I hear you. <laughs> I was a huge, I mean, I am um, a huge SpongeBob fan to the point where one of my birthday parties, I received three DVD copies <laughs> of the SpongeBob movie, <laughs> as well as... You up- had to be in high school? Middle school? No, 2004? Point? Is when the movie came oh, out. Oh, I didn't realize it was that old. Okay. I know, yeah. right? We are old now. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll get into <laughs> is that. It, Let me... Is it bad that whenever I think about where I, like, what grade I was in at what year, I always have to think back, okay, I was in second grade at 9 11 in 2001. <laughs> 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 and, then, and then I have to count wait, from there. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. I, you were in fourth grade. We're in. We're both in fourth. Miss Choate's class. Choate? <laughs> no, Choate. Get out of here. <laughs> I gotta tell you about SpongeBob. Okay. 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 So here's some also, background. Uh, real quick, just to um, just to um, maybe I was in third grade. No, you're in fourth. Grade. I was in fourth grade. <laughs> you were in fourth grade. You were six months older than me, and I was in fourth grade <laughs> in 2001. Yeah. I was in no, first No, I'm sorry, grade. not 2001. Yeah. I'm saying 2001. And he's talking yeah, about, he references grade. everything back to 9-11. What? <laughs> How old he is. <laughs> fourth grade. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm thank sorry. you. I'm, that's helpful. No, that's okay. really helpful. Okay. Because, like, that's, I've obviously been doing something wrong. <laughs> so, thank you. <laughs> you have no idea how old you are. You're All right. welcome. Okay, All right, Melissa right. has the floor. 
now. Oh, I can talk now. Thank yes. you. Um, okay. Here's so a talking stick. Here is some background information. Pretty basic if you're a SpongeBob fan. Nothing here will be new to you. Um, so SpongeBob SquarePants <clears throat> is an animated TV show created by Steven Hillenburg, a marine science educator and animator. The show aired on Nickelodeon for the first time in May 1999. The first movie, the SpongeBob movie, was theatrically released in 2004 between the third and fourth seasons. Um, and there have been a total of 12 seasons to date and 262 episodes. I personally only view the first four seasons as canon, so I don't want to hear <laughs> you any don't get sass. A personal canon. I uh, that's not what decide. A canon is. It, I will talk about the theories of like why everything changed. Okay. There's a theory behind it, um, but I'm not a fan of anything that comes. Maybe like because season four comes after the movie, but anything after season four, I'm not a big fan of. Uh, have you guys noticed there's like a big change after the first mm. movie? Mm. Also, I'm just I'm realizing now I was in middle school when the spongebob movie came out i was in fourth yeah. grade yeah, i was in seventh seventh because i remember we watched it on the bus on a band trip one time mm. anyways sorry yeah okay so yeah. there's this pivot after the first movie you're saying yeah there's a big pivot i do remember a pivot but i can't like i remember it sucked all of a sudden after the the movie all right, we'll get into it. Okay. Um, in 2015, the SpongeBob movie Sponge Out of Water was the second SpongeBob movie to hit the theaters, and the third one is expected in May 2020. You will not see me at the theaters those days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ex- Excuse me. What year was Sponge Out of Water? 2015. Oh. Oh, I, I think I saw that. I've seen it too, and I think it's okay. But yeah. you said you're like boycotting the 2020 movie? I just don't, I don't feel interested in it. It's not going to be the SpongeBob I know and love. What if you get tickets for $6 across the street? <laughs> As a gift, maybe I'd go. Yeah, okay. Think about it. We'll gift you the SpongeBob movie yeah. again. Yeah. Oh, three copies? Not that we did. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you three tickets. <laughs> what was nice when I got the three copies for my, my birthday when I was in fourth grade is I could return two and I ended up buying um, two video games because it was at... Like, I think it took it back to Target or something, and I exchanged them for video games. Nice. Anyway, you're going to say more SpongeBob DVDs. I think one of them was this. I had, man, I was a big SpongeBob fan. I had a ton <laughs> of SpongeBob games, not only on my PlayStation, my PlayStation 2, but also on my Game Boy and my my DS. So, I'm All a bases SpongeBob covered. expert. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, the series, as we all know, chronicles the adventures of a sea sponge. SpongeBob SquarePants and his friends who live among other fishy citizens of the fictional <laughs> underwater city of Bikini Bottom, which is located in the Pacific Ocean. Hmm. So, in a pineapple. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob, SpongeBob SquarePants. SquarePants. But really, he lives in a giant pineapple with his pet snail Gary. Whom <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like my tra- that was my seamless transition. <laughs> um so, in the show, we see Spongebob working shifts as a fry cook at Mr. Krabs' restaurant, the Krusty Krab, alongside his grumpy, tentacled neighbor, Squidward. They take special <laughs> care 
Um, at the Krusty Krab, they take special care to thwart the conniving Plankton in his attempts to steal the Krabby Patty secret formula. Yeah. Did you write this description yourself or did I you did. lift it off of Wikipedia? I did. I wrote it this. It sounds so good. It does. You should, you should, yeah, it's good. You, you know your SpongeBob. Yeah. I know SpongeBob well. I'm not a good writer, but I spent no, a lot of time I on disagree. this one. disagree. No, this is well, good. You at, at the very least write about spongebob very well yeah you could you could cover the spongebob beat for for a paper or something i could do it but the thing is you probably have to cover new episodes which i cannot do because they're not melissa canon yeah they're not in my canon at least okay um so spongebob works alongside his grumpy tentacled neighbor Squidward. They take special care to thwart the conniving Plankton in his attempts to seal the Krabby Patty secret formula. He spends his free time goofing off with his best buddy Patrick Starr and practicing karate with squirrel friend Sandy Cheeks. So what we love about the show is that it's quaint, it's cute and silly, um, but it's also weirdly smarter than quote unquote adults give it credit for, dad. Um, so many. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, and what's funny is there's also so many dark and inappropriate jokes that totally went over my head as a kid, but I appreciate them so much more with each watch. Yeah. And yeah, you can watch episodes one or seasons one through four on amazon prime for free so canon 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 the whole spongebob canon is contained yeah there what's really funny so i was also a huge spongebob fan especially when it first came out and but but the thing is my dad was a bigger spongebob fan than i was (laughs) no way i think for that reason he would always say oh there's just like it's just like stuff that we both get like he's (laughs) like there's so much more to spongebob um and my SpongeBob story is uh, I created SpongeBob art wow. in fourth grade, which consisted of a old piece of wood that my dad just kind of gave me, mm-hmm. as, dads sure. <laughs> as dads do, as dads do. And I took SpongeBob uh, tattoos, and I I forget how I did it, but I somehow transferred the tattoo onto the plank of wood. Wow! And wrote the crew up on it and I presented it to my dad as a gift that he then this past Thanksgiving brought up so Jake could what? see it. <laughs> Jake, is this true? Yeah. Oh my I gosh. can can confirm. Yeah. This it's is crazy. a beautiful artifact. I think you just came like my dad just came up the stairs and just handed Jake this plank of wood with SpongeBob on it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I, I used to make so many Spongebob crafts, too. That that reminds me, I once carved a pumpkin to look like Spongebob, and that was, I think, my crowning achievement as a child. I thought that was the best thing. And as it slowly rotted away and Spongebob, like, shriveled up, it was so sad when I had to throw it away. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing, though. It was. It took a long time. I, I was very proud of it. Yeah, you should be. Yeah, maybe I'll do it again next Halloween. Please do. Are you guys ready to hear some theories about yes. the show? Yes. Um, and this includes just theories about what the characters represent, as well as the way that the show and the characters are interpreted by people. Um, and I'm also going to talk about one particular creepy pasta story at the end. Okay. So the first theory, similar to the next two theories, which I'm going to go through kind of quickly because they're very similar in like the type of theory they are, is that... Each Bikini Bottom character represents one of the seven deadly sins. So, the seven deadly sins are... This is very interesting. Sloth, 
which That's is Patrick. excessive laziness. You're right. You guys want to guess them? Yeah, right? okay. yeah, yeah. So we'll make this a game. So sloth is excessive laziness. You said Patrick. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's because Patrick is ridiculously lazy. <laughs> he is unemployed and he lives under a rock and sleeps a lot. <laughs> so wrath is uncontrollable feelings of anger and hatred. Which one do you think it's, that is? Squidward, obviously, right? Mm, I'm going to say or, Pearl. Oh, is it Plankton? You're no, right, the first one. Greed. You're right, the first one. It's Squidward. Oh. He hates his life, his job, his neighbors, and practically everything else about Bikini Bottom. That's true. Greed, this one should be easy, Mr. is Krabs. the selfish yeah, desire Mr. for Krabs. something, especially yeah. wealth or power. What did you say? Mr. Krabs. Yep. Mr. Krabs is it. He fits it perfectly since he's obsessed with nice. collecting money just so he can have the riches for himself. Envy insatiable desire who do you think that's is green plankton. with envy that's mm-hmm. plankton you're right yeah. he's even green um he's deeply envious whoa of the... you're kind of blowing my mind right now am i wow yeah um he's deeply envious of the success of his rival mr Krabs. all right this one i don't necessarily agreed with but whatever gluttony is overindulgence of food who do you think that one is and it's not patrick <clears throat> that hmm is it? Wouldn't that be Sandy? No. It's actually, or, according to this theory, it's Mrs. Puff because she's fat, and what? That's, oh, that's what it mean. says. That's not nice. Mm-hmm. It says she adores food from chocolate cake to pasta and is fat. Yeah, but we unquote. never see her like eating eating a lot. Yeah, I I gotta say this one I don't understand. It's yeah, just like they're trying to find theory. someone to fit in. Yeah, this one's like a stretch to me. Yeah, that one's definitely a stretch. Okay, pride. Pride is the deep satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. That's Sandy. Yes. I heart Texas. Mm. Sandy is deeply proud of her home country, her athletic abilities, and her career as a scientist. Peas in a can pie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right. This one has two potential ones. So lust, the intense sexual desire. Who do you think that is? I'm afraid to answer this mm. and to think too hard about it. Mm. I mean, she's I, feel, big. I feel like we've done like the she's a whale characters. Okay, come on. <laughs> Pearl? Yeah, it says Pearl because she's depicted as boy crazy and obsessed with male fish stars. And also it said it could be SpongeBob, which why? Oh, what's he doing? I don't know. What he's I lusting he after. Has a, he has a, I mean, he has a... Uh, a lust for life. <laughs> I was going to say a boner nose. Oh. But... oh. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a boner for mm. crust, Krabby Patties. That's so. true. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can see some of those are a stretch. And it just kind of feels yeah, like... Yeah, it kind of fell apart for me at the end. Yeah. yeah. Just the first couple were kind of like, oh, Okay. <clears throat> So this theory was debunked by Spongebob's voice, act- voice actor, Tom Kenny, in a Huffington Post interview in 2015, where he said, like, oh, it's interesting you guys are, you know, thinking about the characters this much, but I don't think there's any stock behind it, pretty much. That's fair. So there are two other similar theories. Characters are based on psychological illnesses, and then also some characters are based on different types of drug addicts. So these ones... I don't give a lot of stock to these theories either because it's similar to the Seven Deadly Sins ones mm-hmm. where it just kind of seems like they're just trying to fit in the different types of characters who are meant to be different 
personalities, yeah. like kind of crazy different personalities, um, into certain categories. So as far as the drugs go, it says SpongeBob is on shrooms because of his wild imagination. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And it says Mr. Krabs and Mrs. Puff are on medical cocaine because they're irritable and paranoid and medical why why medical cocaine you know like because i'm thinking of like wolf of wall street cocaine that's a really good question that i had as well you can take that your qualms up with the uh some of the sources (laughs) okay um similarly squidward is on quote-unquote medical heroin (laughs) because he is it says he has behavioral tendencies like lying and deceiving and bad job performance. This doesn't. Right? Okay. And then Patrick is on medical marijuana because he's laid back and relaxed and eats a lot. And he lives under a stone. Yeah. <laughs> he literally lives man. under a rock. Um, <laughs> that's the only one that almost makes sense. Patrick's yeah. a stoner. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like that one fish that's always yeah, at the I beach. Exactly. Yeah, brah. Um, okay, as far as psychological illnesses, same thing as before. It just seems like characters with different personalities that they're putting into these different categories. So I'm going to read through them, and then you let me know when I'm done your reaction. So okay. SpongeBob, ADHD, Patrick, eating disorder, Squidward, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, Sandy, narcissist, Mr. Krabs, quote, impulsive and obsessive fixations, Plankton, depressed, and Gary, various anxiety disorders. What? Why bring Gary into this? Yeah, poor little Gary. It doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't really make any sense to me because, like, all they're doing is finding prominent traits of somebody and saying, like, okay, if we really exaggerate these and we look in the DSM, that's what it's called, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know... I don't know. That seems uh, silly to me. Yeah, silly. And I think, like I was saying before, they obviously make characters in shows, especially like cartoons, like they're going to be wildly different and also kind of like more eccentric than real human beings would be. Right. Because it's a cartoon for fun. So we're having some extreme personalities. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're all on drugs. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So here's a, a theory I told you guys about before, but I didn't explain it. So this theory states that SpongeBob is actually a tampon. (laughs) (laughs) Hear me out. No, I don't want to hear you out. (laughs) Hear me out. So when I first heard this, my thoughts go to Seinfeld um, because Elaine uses the, there's like some sort of um, contraceptive, contraceptive device called the sponge. So then it's kind of already associated with women's health in that way um but basically he's absorbent he resides in bikini bottom um and here are some more details Hmm. from that kind of broke it down from a cracked article i read and and this cracked article was funny because they called him tampon bob oh dear god no pants (laughs) um okay so uh, this is this is all taken from that that article 
According to backstory, SpongeBob moved away from home at 13, a typical age for a young woman to get their first period um, or need to start using tampons. He leaves home to pursue a fry cook career at the Krusty Krab. This is a coming-of-age tale of a young tampon's journey to Bikini Bottom. So. <laughs> Wait, so maybe maybe I completely missed this backstory in an episode or something, but where mm-hmm. is this backstory coming from? Of being thir- like leaving home at 13. I think that comes Lord. later on, but you know how like his parents he like moved away from his parents. I don't know where he if he lived. I assumed he grew up in Bikini Bottom, just lived with his parents somewhere else and then yeah. he moved out of his house. Right. But maybe this is explained more in the non canon episodes that i don't know much about we just we've missed them you must have missed it yeah so i have a little bit more information here so the cracked article explains that the crusty crab is the quote dirty crab infested vagina of bikini bottom oh oh my god mr crabs the owner of the crusty crabs is the crusty crab is the annoying angry jerk of the vagina leaving everyone who interacts with him feeling sore and pissed except for Spongebob who is a tampon so he has immunity from crabs. Are you following? I, I hate this so much. Unfortunately, yes. Okay, listen to what Patrick is. Patrick Star Starfish slang for butthole is the butthole of Bikini Bottom. <laughs> Okay, and Sandy Cheeks is like butt cheeks with sand. Right, 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 right. Uh, yeah, right. That one's easy. And Squidward, this one, this oh. one, I feel ashamed having to read this. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh gosh. So Squidward is for some reason equated to a penis. Um, he can't stand SpongeBob. The mere thought of a tampon turns him off entirely. Quote, Squidward is the natural enemy of young tampon pants, so full of angry ejaculate that he can sometimes literally erupt. And I want you to think back to when Squidward was a superhero with a volcano on his head and he would yell, Krakatoa! Do you remember that? Oh yeah. goodness. Um, so that's that theory. Thoughts? No. No. <laughs> I hate it. I know. I'm that so- one... As I got more in depth, I was like, wow, I'm going to have to explain this out loud. <laughs> the thing is, okay, here's the deal. I, I like, as you know, Melissa, we've had many conversations about this. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of psychoanalysis yeah. and Freudian stuff. Yeah. So it's just like, it's just like genitalia all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And this honestly just sounds like a half-baked Freudian theory. <laughs> I kind of agree, and I also kind of think it's just people, like, you know, the names of things. There's nothing anyone's actually yeah. doing. It's just right. names could be associated with body right. parts. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What about uh, you? I, I'm still processing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll give you an opportunity. If you think of something... Let me know at the end. I've got a couple more. Don't count on it, but... (laughs) So another well-known theory is that the characters of Bikini Bottom exist because of nuclear testing gone awry. So Spongebob lives in Bikini Bottom, a fictional undersea place supposedly located under a real-life island of Bikini Atoll, which is um, a real-life place that in 1946 in the Pacific Ocean 
um, the United States used this site for nuclear testing. These tests were codenamed Operation Crossroads, and the second test was called Baker, which detonated 27 meters underwater. It produced a large Wilson cloud, or like a mushroom cloud, um, and it also contaminated ships nearby. Chemist Glenn T. Seaborg called the called this um, the world's first nuclear disaster. So over the years, numerous bombs were tested in this area, creating radiation, and it's possible that SpongeBob and his friends are so bizarre because of the effects of nuclear testing. So this is literally the underwater cartoon version of The Hills Have Eyes? Yes. Sea creatures. Horrific. It's took a dark turn. I know, right? Yeah. And it's... Um, <laughs> The reason that it's based on Bikini Atoll is because, as we learned in the beginning, Steven Hillenberg, he was a um, bio- biological educator, mm-hmm. so he was, like, super into learning about the sea life in that area. Hmm. Wow. So it could have some influence into, you know, the ideas behind Spongebob, but they don't really seem that deformed to me. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> seem pretty normal. Seem pretty normal, normal. Um... But Tom Kenny, as we said, the voice of Spongebob, disagrees with this theory. He says, I don't think Spongebob and his friends are mutations. I think Bikini Bottom is like its own world. When the camera drops below the water and you go into Bikini Bottom, it's almost like another planet, you know? There's never topical references in the show, and I think that helps it keep... I think that helps it keep... Sorry. And I think that helps keep it really timeless and everlasting. Which I think is really why we can, you know, That's go back true. to it today and yeah. just watch a random episode and mm-hmm. there's no real references to, like, real things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, all right. So here's another one, which I think is really interesting, especially if you've seen the Spongebob movie. Um, all right. So this theory is that Spongebob died in the first Spongebob movie in 2004. That's the theory. There is a scene in the movie where Spongebob and Patrick are captured by the Cyclops in Shell City. The Cyclops puts the two on a workbench under a drying lamp and they begin to shrivel up as they sing a really sad verse of I'm a Goofy Goober. (laughs) And then Spongebob and Patrick completely dry out and they each release a single tear and the tears come together to form a heart. So it's suggested at this point that Spongebob really did die during the scene. And after the move, after the Spongebob movie, there's a stark change in the style of episodes. They're less detailed. Um, they look, they don't look as hand-drawn as before. Spongebob's personality changes from silly and naive, but capable and intelligent character to an increasingly stupid, screechy, spastic mess. Um, <laughs> so... If Spongebob really died, who, I ask you, who is in season four and beyond? Is it Tampon Bob? It could be. I wonder. <laughs> is it Doodle Bob? Um, Doodle could, Bob. Oh, nihoi moi minoi. Perhaps as Spongebob, sponges, sorry. Perhaps as sponges do, Spongebob asexually reproduced a clone baby, which replaced him. <laughs> this may explain why Spongebob never seems to age. Like, maybe he just keeps making clones of himself. Um, wow. And again, this theory is rejected by Steven Hillenberg, the creator of Spongebob. He explained that seasons one through three lead up to the movie, but season four and beyond, plus the second movie, and I'm assuming the third movie, are prequels to the episodes and the movies. Wait, really? Because at in the end of the SpongeBob movie, the first movie, 
he becomes, SpongeBob becomes the manager of the Krusty Krab 2, but that's never mentioned again in any of the episodes. So they're saying mm. those, the new episodes, season four and beyond, are prequels to before that Wait, first did, movie. <clears throat> did they plan the later seasons to be prequels or did they just retcon that in there? I don't think, because I, I know there was a long gap of time between season three and season four, partly due to they released a movie, and then there was a long gap of time before season four came out, and I think it's because they weren't, sh- they were probably trying to figure out what direction to go, and maybe they just couldn't make it happen in the show anymore where he was a manager and like he had this whole life-changing situation, so then they just pre- were like, we're pretending like the movie didn't happen yet, so... Got it. Yeah. All right. So here's where we get into creepy pasta. Are you guys familiar with creepy pastas? Very much so. Oh yes. Okay. For the uninformed, a creepy pasta comes from the word copy pasta or like copy paste, an internet slang term for um, a block of message that get co- that gets copied and pasted over and over again from website to website. Huh. They're essentially horror stories shared on the internet forums to disturb and, and frighten readers. That's interesting. I ha- I never knew the origin of the word creepy pasta. Yeah. Well, you so know how like like copy pasta. No. It's like copy paste. I I mean I I understand copy paste but I don't. But I mean the term copy no, pasta no. is like copy paste. No. It's just yeah, like, creepy pasta comes from copy one pasta. Letter, you just change oh. the last e to the a, and okay. then you change the copy to creepy. That's creepy pasta. That I mean that evolution makes sense, yeah. but I never. You never is, put that together. No, this is new to me. I know when I first learned that I was like mind blown. Yeah. I I, I don't know what I was Seriously. doing this whole time. <laughs> right. Okay. So. Yes, it's, it's a story specifically meant to frighten and disturb readers. So, long story short, I'm going to really summarize this because the creepypasta called Squidward Suicide um, <laughs> is actually kind of, it's kind of long, so I kind of just summarized it really quick. Long story short, the Squidward Suicide creepypasta, which can be traced back to as early as 2012 on the internet, describes the terrifying experience of a Nickelodeon intern working on the show's fourth season. As the story goes, the animators and writers had come together to watch the final cut of season four, episode one, titled, jokingly, they thought, Squidward Suicide. The intern describes, with horror, how the episode consists of a really sad and creepy crying Squidward, still, like, slowly zooming in and zooming out, interspliced with frames of gruesome photos of dead children all culminating in squidward killing himself oh my god so again this is a creepypasta story or is it real there's debates i'm assuming it's not real because that doesn't make any sense um that's so so horrifying have you guys do you guys know about the squidward suicide creepypasta no like i said you're ruining my childhood right now for the first time if you go on the drive there's a photo i uploaded in there and it's the picture of it's the picture of squidward from the squidward suicide video and we will upload this to instagram oh Oh my gosh. gosh that are his eyes bleeding Yes. Oh. I don't like that. I don't like this either. I don't like it. But it's very like sort of final act in Oedipus Rex kind of yeah. like vibe. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oof. 
But can I tell you something crazier? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Okay, so in September 2019, a picture of the Squidward with the iconic eerie black and white face, the red eyes, the black tears from the creepypasta was actually in a SpongeBob episode. The what? creepypasta wiki no. page became active again, the one that I got all this information from. And what was funny is it became active again with following... Um, following that moment that it was on an episode with exciting comments like, we did it, boys. What? <laughs> Wait, and you said September 2019? Mm-hmm. So this it, is like just came Like out. a year ago. So it's in a non-canonical episode. For me, yeah, but I think it's kind of funny that okay. the animators and the writers. So if you guys want to pull up the video. Oh my goodness, uh, here we are. I'm really scared. What did you I'm guys sure think you... of that video? That was traumatizing. <laughs> oh, that was kind of funny. I know, right? <laughs> that they would put it in there. To describe the scene, I haven't seen the episode, but Squidward is just opening a bunch of doors where there's like these alternate dimension versions of himself, and one of them is the Squidward suicide thing. But it's it's cleaned up a little bit. You yeah, know? yeah, it's not as terrifying. Yeah, right. but it's still yeah. It's still really. Makes an impact. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for listening to these many theories, and I hope oh, I didn't ruin your you, whole lives. You, I love SpongeBob. You complicated things a little bit. I'll say yeah. that. <laughs> I gotta say, I did this out of love. I love SpongeBob so much, and I watch it all the time. And Anna Marie knows this. I don't know, Jake, if I've ever quoted SpongeBob to you, but I feel like between you, me, and Randall, it's like we can yeah. communicate. Yeah. And I love it when you reference it and people you don't even know if they know Spongebob, they will chime in. And that's the beauty of Spongebob. Right. Yes. I I have a, yes. a co-worker who dressed up as Doodlebob for Halloween one year. <laughs> and she said she walked out of her, um, like her room and then her friend also dressed up as Doodlebob. And they didn't even know <laughs> that oh they my both God. were dressing up as Doodlebob. <laughs> awesome. Phenomenal. Yeah, I thought that was so great. Spongebob's the best. Well, yeah. thank you, Melissa. Yeah, thank you. That was... You're welcome. As Jake said, complicated. It was complicated. It's <laughs> I hope, challenging. Yeah. Jake, I hope you can forgive me. <laughs> okay, so this is going to be like a really <laughs> insane change of pace. Because uh, this story actually has some very sad parts. Oh, uh, good. So we needed the Spongebob. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to have to figure out how to transition into like... Transition into a space that's appropriate for this story. So, um, we all take a collective deep breath. Yeah. So why don't we? Yeah, we're in. The, we're in this. <laughs> so it's actually. So the story is not entirely messed up, but there's like a couple little mm. pieces that are messed up. Gotcha. 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 Okay. So I am talking about the Blackburn Cult. So I was listening to Astonishing Legends. Shout out to Astonishing Legends. I was listening to them uh, last week, and they were covering uh, Edgar Casey, who I really want to cover sometime. But they mentioned the Blackburn cult just kind of in passing. It got me curious, and so I did a little research and, and figured I'd do it on the show this week. Um, because we're, we do three stories per episode, uh, I'm not going to be able to do a super thorough uh exposition i guess but i'll give you my sources they're pretty good so i used uh oren gray wrote an article called the weird and twisted history of the blackburn cult 
in the lineup. Wikipedia was actually not that great for this, which is surprising because Wikipedia usually comes through on everything that I researched. But on this one, not that great. But I did use the pages Blackburn Cole and May Otis Blackburn. Um, the single best source I found was this podcast called Most Notorious, a true crime podcast. And they had a guest, Samuel Fort, who authored the book The Cult of the Great Eleven, which is the name of the cult. And it's on its, like, seventh edition now, which is crazy. Wow. When yeah. was it published? Uh, I don't know. Like, not not that long ago. Huh. Okay. So he just keeps adding information to it, I guess. But it's also, like, limited availability. I looked on Amazon. It's sold out. And so I think maybe he does really... Like small runs or something mm. of them. And if you tried to buy it, it'd be like $200. You know what? I actually want to Google this now. Play some elevator music. So it's available in paperback for $14.95. Oh, and I can look inside. See, I was looking for this earlier so I could just see, poke around, and now. Anyways, I guess my research is just going to suffer from not having found this page before now. Do you want to take a 20? Uh, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. Um,. So, yeah, so Most Notorious Podcast. Uh, there's also a podcast just called Cults that I just yes, discovered. Yes, I've been listening yes. to that for a long time. Yeah, so time. they had a two-part episode on the Blackburn Cult that was... And, mm. and they had some information that actually wasn't in the Samuel Fort episode that was crucial. Um, and then Cheryl Eddy's Angels made them do it. A brief history of the Blackburn cult, as well as a 1929 issue of the LA Times. So those were my sources. But like I said, the majority of this comes from the Samuel Fort interview. Okay, so I'm not going to go much into their into her early life, but Mayotis Blackburn was living in LA with her daughter Ruth, who they were both adults. Um, May Otis Redding had this his uh, Redding. Did I say Otis Redding the, the first second time? time. <laughs> second Otis Redding <laughs> sitting oh on the dock. I of the love bed. I love Otis Redding, but that is not Otis. That's not the right <laughs> Otis. May we'll just call her May. Um, had a history of conning men. Um, I think she went through like a couple of marriages by this point. Ruth was a taxi dancer, which is basically um these clubs that men would go to and they would buy like tickets at the door and then um you know hand them like hand them to women and then the women would like a ticket per dance basically and pick your partner Mm. you know oh like at a carnival yeah you take it for a kiss (laughs) right (laughs) um but this was also a lot of times like a front for sex work too so Mm um yeah it that's the that was Ruth's work, I guess. I mean, I, I didn't find a lot of details about what she was doing, but they go into it on some of the podcasts. Okay. Uh, that's not the most important part for this episode, though. What's more important is that May sat home reading her Bible all day. Mommy she, May? Yeah. <laughs> Mama May. And she comes up with this idea. She, th- she says, I'm going to publish a book. Well, okay. It depends on who you believe. Just full disclosure, I don't believe anything uh, that May said about anything. Um, But she claims, and Ruth also claims, 
that a an angel appeared to them and revealed to them the information that they were supposed to publish in this book that she said was going to be called the seventh trumpet of Gabriel, which will teach you how to live forever and give you the quote unquote, the lost measurements of Solomon that will enable you, able you to find riches, gold, whatever. Like a uh, treasure hunt? Like a, tre- like a treasure hunt. <laughs> X marks Yeah, <laughs> this is very much like national treasure style uh, stuff. <laughs> Um, so yeah, she claims that the angel Gabriel has been appearing to her and dictating this book and that when the book is finished, it will bring about the apocalypse in February of 1925. Oh, coming and up. Ruth, <laughs> yeah, Ruth pitches this idea, Ruth, the daughter mm-hmm. pitches this idea to her boyfriend, Arthur, and asks him for money to fund the book. Um, so basically Ruth and May are sort of just pitching this saying, we've got to publish this book. It's, it's been sort of like revealed to us by angelic entities and the publication of this book is a necessary prerequisite for the apocalypse to happen. But the apocalypse isn't a scary thing. It's a good thing because the world's going to be better after that. So am I correct in understanding that if they don't publish the book, there will be no apocalypse? It's that seems to be the logic of it, yes. So then don't publish the book. Well, the apocalypse is a good thing, you'll see. Gotcha. Yeah, mm-hmm. the apocalypse is, uh, is a little different than the Bible version of it. But she was reading the Bible all day. Yeah, right? Yeah. She found the secret messages within yeah. Anne Marie. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so, um, so Ruth pitches this idea to her boyfriend and says, Hey, Arthur, give us some cash so that we can. Uh, we can get this book published. He's skeptical, but he's into Ruth, so he says, fine. Then she says she needs more money. So she asks for more money and asks him specifically, since he doesn't have more money, take out a loan from your employer. And then he he's obviously like saying, I don't know about this. I'm not <laughs> sure if that's... And she guarantees him that they will be rich from the, the sales of this book. Can't say right. no to that. Before the apocalypse. Before the apocalypse, right. So what's so, the purpose of money if the world's going to end? So you're, yeah, that's a key tension that I will be, that we should note throughout. Okay. Because like, if you think that there's this, you know, spiritual um, uh, calling, uh, sort of being so focused on riches and money, like it doesn't seem like the dollar as a currency would survive, uh, survive like the new world order, or right. whatever. Like this being established. And anyways, were you gonna say something? Oh, I was gonna say so. Maybe. Well, never mind. You can cut that out. I was gonna speculate, but well, she. The bottom line is, she guarantees him that we will be rich, and you'll be able to pay your employer back and have tons of more money. And so he says, okay, and he gets a loan from his employer and lends it to Ruth. So May keeps pitching the book and starts getting disciples and investors, um, which are kind of the same thing, honestly, in this mm-hmm. scenario. Uh, and because every time that somebody would invest, like she would consider them sort of part of her like network or part of her group or a cult and give them was called like a, um, a Concord name. So a Concord name is like 
an aspect of the universe that someone would be bound to like by their name so one guy's name was the four winds of the whirlwind god and That's another too wow. long yeah and another <laughs> name was equal balance and justice and Another one was Grand General of the North Star. And my favorite one was Gravitation Upwards. Can you imagine calling all these people to dinner? Yeah. Well, I think it's more like an honorary title. Oh, okay. Um, I still like that idea. But, though. like, yeah. So, so it's not really clear where, where the difference is between an investor and, like, a cult member. Because um, some people were investing for, like more or less selfish motives and others were like actually believers and bought into the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So she starts getting a a lot of followers. Um, They build a network and the mythology keeps getting more elaborate. So they come up with this apocalypse narrative that there will be a new world and there will be 11 queens selected by the angel Gabriel to rule over earth. That's kind of cool. And in they will be situated in 11 mansions that will be built in Hollywood. And each queen will get 12 kings. And they'll have riches and power. So 11 queens, 12 kings. 12 what's kings the, per queen. What's the math here? How many kings? Uh, 12 times 11. Um, 144 minus 12. That's what I was thinking, 144, but that was wrong. So minus 12, it's 130, 132. 132. Yep, 132. Nice. 132 I, kings. I didn't do any math there. <laughs> <laughs> just looked happily back and forth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, they're doing it. <laughs> okay, so eventually the cult is established and it's called the Cult of the Great Eleven, which obviously refers to the 11 queens mm-hmm. uh, that will rule the sort of new earth. So May has a stepbrother named Ward... Blackburn. Ward, so I looked at photos of him. It's really weird. Uh, he's he's not Asian, but he tries to make himself look Asian. Oh. And he, ha- and he tries to present himself as an Asian mystic, and he has, like, this Fu Manchu, like, mustache. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just the corners of the handlebars kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and his hair is slicked back. Uh, it's really yeah cringy to look at um uh but this is also in a time like during like in in the west when like people were like infatuated i'm looking up a picture of him oh cool all right i just want to make sure like i wasn't like no he looks really weird yeah do you see him yeah, I just looked up a picture of Ward Blackburn. Show, and he, show Anna Marie. Just hold it up. He has the worst mustache. <laughs> oh. Mustache, oh. mutton chop combination. Yeah, it's bad. Oh. It's bad. He also apparently was like very not smart. Um, and was allegedly into pedophilia. Uh, that's yeah. bad. So this is, a, yeah, that's, this is where it starts going downhill a little bit. A lot of it, actually. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, Ward Blackburn... Uh, if you recall, was May's stepbrother, and she married him. Uh, (laughs) And it's kind of hard to figure out why they didn't have any sexual intimacy. There was no boinking in their relationship. (laughs) Oh, they said no blinking. I said no boinking. (laughs) They just... No forking. They couldn't blink in the presence of the other. (laughs) Uh, 
But, and this is really sad, May would allegedly traffic young girls for Ward into the cult. Or, and, like, there were several examples um, in the um, most notorious podcast where she would just, like, walk up to moms and say, you have a beautiful daughter, will you give her to me? Oh, oh. And oh, stuff that's like, so awful. Yeah, that's terrible. It's really oh bad. It's but it's really like the bad. tale that we hear even nowadays where like the woman is tr- like we trust women more with kids. Right. So yeah. right. 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 So eventually she um May, uh, May reached out to some of the people involved in Christian science, which is basically like a like a sort of philosophical spiritual offshoot of Christianity established by Mary Baker Eddy. It's got like some, it's like, it it seems to me like, like a new agey version of Christianity. I did a book report on it one time in, in, uh, in school. So you must be the expert. You must be the expert. (laughs) No, um, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's fringy, but okay. Like, like what I mean to say is it's, like, not the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you walk in a lot of, like, downtown uh, areas and there'll be a Christian science reading room. Yeah. Have you ever seen those? True. I think I've seen signs here and there. I can't recall where, but, you know. Yeah, that's kind of like their church, it, hmm. church in quotes, is, is like a... Yeah, anyways, it's interesting. It's They're focused a lot on, like, healing. Okay. Mm. So... Um, May connects with um, a prominent lady in the Christian science movement named Martha Rhodes. And she was involved in a group of faith healers. And Martha, Martha claimed, and I think she herself believed, that she had raised herself from the dead. So she thought that she was obviously very adept at like spiritual healing that she had resurrected herself. I didn't investigate yeah. that claim any. Maybe further. it was just yeah. a really intense nap that she was able to wake up from because I've yeah. felt that way before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After you get off a Nyquil nap and mm-hmm. you're like, I have emerged from the tomb. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so this was a very like sort of hardcore group of faith healers. Um, and she and Martha Rhodes was very influential and May pulled Martha into the group. And so with Martha came that whole group as well, because she had a lot of credibility. So a lot of the Christian science people, or at least a circle of Christian science people got pulled into this cult. The cult moves to L.A. into a mansion that became the headquarters. But even though it was a mansion, it was still like very crowded so they had very like dorm like bedrooms and shared bathrooms and and there just wasn't a lot of privacy. Is it just mirrors like California <laughs> cult central? Well, it is and that's something that's interesting like Samuel Fort in the interview was saying like California had tons of cults because it was like much less established like the mm. the sort of culture was much less was much newer yeah and the development was newer sorry and i just know because i listened to this as i was cooking um (laughs) too uh but he also said that um wasn't it because like 
it was a more accepting place, especially compared to the more, like, I guess... Puritan New yeah, England. Right. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. And also, as far as, like, the establishment goes... Um, as far as the establishment goes, it could be there's less fewer established churches there too. So maybe like there might be a desire for religions out there. Well, and it th- could be there's just you know. I think that I think the thing is California is where people go to experiment and to yeah. try new things, mm-hmm. and and probably a lot of people going there yeah. could be recruited, easy to recruit into a a cult because right, of that same very reason. Minded to mm-hmm. like new ideas and new practices and new ways of living mm-hmm. or maybe like leaving where they grew up say for example on the east coast mm-hmm. to go out west and to kind of find something that suits them individually mm-hmm. and leads to that kind of experience like individual experimentation right mm-hmm. yep yep so there were a lot of cults and this is one of them uh cool <laughs> <laughs> so uh so, like she she said, in February 1925 is the end of the world, but it won't happen until I publish my book. So she would pitch this. If you want to hasten the, account, the apocalypse, send me money to publish the book. She was selling um, the apocalypse as this kind of blissful, utopic world where everything would change for the better. Right? Um, so they had a lot of... Uh, like I said, honorary titles. They also had rituals that involved dog sacrificing. Oh no! I know. Uh, mule sacrifices. Oh no! They danced around naked. Okay. Um, so, like, if you were participating compared to the other two, <laughs> yeah, I, I like mean, that, that's, great. <laughs> that's 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 uh, yeah. No one gets hurt there. But my the point is, if you were participating in this, and also all of the members had to give up all their money. And all their financial, like, well-being. So, like, May had a very hypnotic or charismatic persuasiveness. And she promised everybody wealth and power in this new post-apocalyptic world. Um, And she would ask for money from the pensions of cult members. Or if, like, a family member died, she -hmm. would ask for the money from the life insurance. Um. The women who worked turned their paychecks over to May, and the men were prohibited from working, actually. It was a very, like, matriarchal type of setup, yeah. which is interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's so interesting compared to, <laughs> yeah. like, what you see in yeah. other situations. Yeah. yeah. But if if an exception was made and a man was allowed to work, they, too, had to turn over their paychecks. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, everybody... Everybody had given up their money. They were involved in animal sacrifice and other sort of like stuff that could potentially be embarrassing or even incriminating if they, if it like got out. Mm -hmm. So everybody was sort of made culpable or made Mm -hmm. like complicit. And so you're in a very vulnerable place after you've participated in this kind of stuff, which Mm -hmm. like gave her more control over people. So they're without money. Right. And assets. And they have something over you. Right. Yeah. Right. And then when people wanted to leave, she'd often use fear or like blackmail and even like threats of physical violence to to keep people from leaving. 
That reminds me of the. Have you heard of the cult Nexium? Yeah. It's it's uh, it was happened pretty recently. Isn't that a pill? No, it's um <laughs> I don't know. Um, but basically, Nexium is for acid reflux. Yeah, I think so. It's the purple pill. Sorry, go ahead. Um, I think it's called Nexium. But basically, you had to provide provide collateral, and it was basically a pyramid scheme where you were selling like self improvement classes, but you had to provide collateral to move up, like naked pictures of yourself, yourself doing compromised things that could be released if you ever questioned or threatened to leave. No. Um, and you. Yeah, yeah, it it reminds me a lot of that. But yeah, that's yeah. like exactly like it, like an abusive control tactic that yes. like allows people to like manipulate you yeah. and have power over you. Yeah, they eventually moved to Simi Valley. I think I'm saying that right. S I M I Valley, and they built a big Simi. elaborate temple. So it moved from fund my book to fund my temple (laughs) what a jump (laughs) yeah right um okay so now the sad story sorry i'm I'm just gonna cover three definitely or potential murders they're either alleged or confirmed the first one is definitely confirmed so this is this is willa rhodes so willa rhodes is the daughter of martha martha was the one that was involved in the Christian science stuff Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. brought over a bunch of people. So May told Martha that she wanted to make her daughter Willa a queen, giving her the name the Tree of Life, which is like the centerpiece of her, um, the theology of May. Uh, There's actually this weird idea that the Tree of Life turned the old new, but when Adam and Eve ate from... Uh, the tree they didn't eat from the tree of life no. that guy got it wrong in the podcast anyways they ate from the when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil the tree of life changed directions and started making the the new old so then people started mm. aging right and so one of the keys of this is to sort of reverse that process back to uh making the old new wow right so the tree of life is like this central concept. The old reverseroni. The, the, the old reverseroni. So, <laughs> is, is that what would come with the apocalypse? That reversal. Yeah, yeah, mm. and and there were like I guess some like, um, there was some knowledge, in quotes, in the book that like talked about how to harness certain like magical powers to like gain the power of the tree of life basically saying there are ways that you can like live immortally right right gotcha. so willa for some reason may is very into willa and wants to make her one of the queens one of the 11 queens names her the tree of life um the father william is not really into this so martha's husband He's not really into it, but he goes along with it. So they bring Willa to the HQ. And she's greeted warmly and given seven puppies. Oh. Yeah, and they were like, these I pup- hope they don't sacrifice These them. puppies are going to be your best friends. Yeah, these weren't supposed to be sacrificial pup- puppies. <laughs> oh. uh, not supposed yeah. to be? That's foreboding. Right. Yeah. The father to William is treated like royalty, and so while he was originally not into the whole idea, he warmed up to it pretty fast, mm-hmm. as one would. 
everybody was just so welcoming and i'd fall for it nice i yeah i I would too i just like it if you want to like trick me into anything just like make me feel good by being nice with seven puppies (laughs) seven puppies (laughs) so about a month later willa gets a tooth infection that goes untreated which partly it could be due to some of the christian science beliefs um but also like people didn't go to the dentist as much in the 20s and didn't like trust dentists hygiene just wasn't yeah it was yeah it was a dirty a dirty thing (laughs) kind of they use like or at least they people like kind of thought that dentists use like unhygienic practices so it could make things worse you saying something no I, teeth gross me out so yeah. oh yeah um <laughs> things wrong with teeth <laughs> yeah like so she got a tooth infection in her teeth that's where that would happen <laughs> that I would say that. yeah in her in her tooth in her tooth that's where the infe- the tooth infection well, was where was i you tooth got- <laughs> infection so she gets a tooth infection that goes untreated but eventually she has a fever from it and becomes bedridden she eventually gets better, and everyone thinks that they've healed her somehow, and everybody's happy. And a lot's at stake, remember, because she's one of the 11 queens, and she's supposed to be immortal, right? Right, But she's, like, getting really sick. Um, and then one day, uh, she just goes to bed and dies. But oh. right before she dies, she's calling people into her room... And, like, making peace with them and making sure that, like, they're cool. Like, she had a fight with somebody, um, some other cult member a few weeks earlier, and she wanted to make sure, like, they were, like, good. So she, she's, like, wrapping up unfinished exactly. business. Yeah, and then, and then she just fades out. So, there was also some suspicion that Willow was poisoned or killed intentionally there was suspicion of that um but there was never any proof i think i know who did it it was the tooth (laughs) (laughs) there were there was suspicion that willa might have been poisoned or killed intentionally but there was never any proof so may so everybody wants to know what to do right because she's supposedly one of these immortal queens may says that she don't worry i heard it from an angel that we need to wait and preserve her body because she's going to be resurrected and so they keep her body no on ice in the bathroom no Uh and then they kill all her puppies (gasps) no and they mummify them and put them around her body in a very uh, sort of symbolic way. Oh, that's not how it works. <laughs> no. uh, <laughs> it's very, like, it reminds me very much of, like, pharaoh burials yeah, where yeah. all of that. That's what I was thinking, too. Yeah. Um, it, was a bad new- it was bad news for servants if pharaoh died because you... <laughs> Oh, also, they tossed you in the hole, too? Yeah. yeah. Oh. You got mummified, too, because Pharaoh needed servants going across the river. Yeah. You know? and eventually, though, they don't... So, May doesn't want all the cult members to, like, see her, see uh, Willa. 
And so she decides, and, and not everybody knows, I don't think, mm-hmm. at this point. So she decides we need to move the body to a more discreet location. And so they put, they prop her body up in the backseat of a car, like, like, a, like Weekend at Bernie style, <laughs> you know? Very it's, inappropriate it's like, it's, on their part. Yeah, well, it's just so, like, I don't know, it's just so outrageous. So they prop her up in the backseat of a car and convert. Um, and they take her to a different house and they convert one of the bedrooms into like a sort of ritual crypt and they keep her body in there on ice with, with the puppies too. This is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And they keep bringing the hat. I mean, it's in LA in the twenties. They don't have like AC. Mm -hmm. So they have to keep bringing ice, fresh ice every day and they bring fresh roses every day. And it's like a very like royal kind of crypt situation they realize after a while of bringing fresh ice every day that the resurrection isn't happening so they move her to another house and build a shack to keep her in still on ice and they were getting like you said they were getting 600 pounds of ice every single week and eventually the ice delivery guy <laughs> just asks him, like, completely guys- <laughs> out of the loop, <laughs> like, what are you guys doing with 600 pounds of, uh, of ice every week? And they just told him, uh, we're just uh, melting it down every week for religious services. So What? Maybe they're having a party? Just need yeah. wants to be invited? <laughs> Making a lot of ice cream? Making oh. a lot of ice cream. Do you need- Finally, May says the resurrection isn't going to happen anytime soon, so they need to bury her more permanently. This is this is real nasty. Um, to me, to me, this is nasty. So they want well, it's nasty and grody and scary. So grody. <laughs> they want her to be able to get out when she's resurrected. So they bury her under the these. They they put a casket that the top is loose under the floorboards and they keep the floorboards loose too so that when she wakes up she can get out of the coffin and push the floorboards up and be out i like that they're thinking ahead yeah uh and they embalmed her skin but not her internal organs so that's what's nasty to me they they use this um these various like spices and chemicals and things to do like a superficial embalming to, to preserve her skin. But like, you're still like rotting from the inside. Yeah. That's so nasty. Uh, yeah, and like, disrespectful, ever, like, honestly. Yeah. And like, she was frozen, right? She was on ice. So she's not been, anymore, oh, but she was frozen then thawed. And I just feel like that can't help <laughs> yeah. with the preserving. Not the supposed body. to do that. Yeah. Right, so they they kept her um, under the floorboards in a coffin, and this was also the bedroom that her parents slept in every single night. So she was underneath the floor while they slept. Yes, and they were expecting her one day to get out, like to resurrect, to come out of the floorboards. I could, like, how could you sleep in that room? I couldn't. Like, yeah. It's it's I would not. It, also, what if you were and you woke up and you and you you witnessed something that the parents were doing? You oh. woke up at the wrong time? <laughs> that's I That's not the first thing I'd be worried about. But yeah, okay. 
you, you wake up and walk in on your parents. <laughs> She's right under the floorboards. I'm ready for this new life. Uh, oh, never mind. I'm going right. back. But I guess I guess the thing is like, provided that she wasn't actually poisoned or something, provided she actually mm-hmm. did die of like a tooth infection, um, you know that's sad. Yeah. But it happened in the 20s, mm-hmm. like. But just like the way they're treating her body is just like so disrespectful yeah. and and yeah. feels just I don't know it feels heinous to well, me. Well, moving her around everywhere yeah. and yeah, it's just all of it's terrible. To me, it kind of sounds like if if they were following like a religious practice to prepare and um, appreciate the body after death. I just feel like they were just going on the fly, not really yeah, following a practice. Very, That's what yeah. feels disrespectful. Yeah. It was just like, how do we keep this thing going for a lo- little bit longer? Not yeah. how do we respect this body? Exactly. Like, May kept on saying, oh, an angel revealed to me this. Oh, I guess that's not going to happen. We got to do this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess that's not going to happen. We got to do this. Oh, I guess we got to bury her under your bedroom. Yeah. You know? It's just yeah. like, Just to keep the, to keep the line going. <clears throat> Yeah. yeah. So that's sort of the first victim of the mm-hmm. of the cult. The second one, this is very short but extremely fucked up. So oh, I'm all ears. Listeners, if you uh are sensitive, just skip ahead like a minute. If it's not about teeth, I think I can handle it. There was one uh there was one cult member named Frances Turner who and she was paralyzed and she had a blood malady and she was in constant pain. So she's in very Aww. ill health and she's disabled. Um, and she kept asking May over and over again to cure her because she believed in May. And mm-hmm. she thought that May would actually have a remedy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so finally May agrees and she brings Frances out to a hillside where she had constructed this giant brick oven and heated it up. And her, and so Francis's sister, Margaret was also there expecting, uh, Francis to be healed or whatever. And so I don't know how, but they put Francis in this oven. What? Uh, and Francis died within an hour. Oh my god! An hour in, in the, the oven. What? Yeah. Well, so and then May and then May said that the angel Gabriel had wanted it this way. Uh, um. When it turned out like that, uh, the real reason that Francis went and, and the, so when they put her in the oven, she wasn't resisting or struggling or anything like that because, um. And so they took that as a sign that it was, like, working. Mm. <clears throat> I got a burp. They took this as a, as a sign that it was working. But the reason that she couldn't struggle or scream was because of her disability. So they literally had just broiled her to death. Oh, Yeah, oh my it's God. really sad. Oh, my god. It's gosh. really sad. And what was the expect, like... May's expected outcome or not necessarily expected but what, how she explained it to Margaret and... I didn't see that explicitly but the idea was that somehow this um, this oven was going to cure whatever blood maladies that she had and <sighs> she would be able to just get out and and walk away oh my gosh maybe uh, like Daenerys Game of Thrones style reborn from fire type thing 
I don't watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, you guys, sorry. sorry. But it's just so sad to me. It's like, really sad. The kind of trust that they put in this woman to help them. I know. And this is what happens. Yeah, this, that story, I mean, that's a short one, but that really messed me up yeah. when I was researching it. Okay, the last story I'll tell is this guy named Sam Rizzio. So it's not... So I don't know if the Francis story is like confirmed or alleged mm. or what. Mm-hmm. Okay. But like it's pretty messed like, up. Like people like it's I think it's true, mm-hmm. but like I don't know I don't know. The first one with Willa is definitely true. Mm-hmm. The second one I think also is true. This one is interesting because there's a lot of different accounts. Okay. So there's a guy named Sam Rizzio. So Ruth, the daughter of May, mm-hmm. married Sam Rizzio. And he, I think he, so, so somebody was explaining that he kind of, he was a good Catholic guy and just thought that once they got married, like, she would leave the cult and he would go work and they'd have a family and no, a not. white picket fence. Yeah. <laughs> and so they get married and then Sam's like, okay, let's, let's re- leave this cult. And Ruth is like, I'm a queen. I'm rich. Why would I leave? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he goes missing. Okay. One story is that he got upset and he hit Ruth Oh. And then he ran away. Right? So they were trying to say that he was violent or mm-hmm. abusive or whatever. Yeah. And he might he like he might have been, he might not have been, I don't know. But at the same time, May did not approve of the marriage. So she says to a woman named Eleanor Sandrosky, and her title is the Rainbow. <laughs> uh that an angel had revealed to her that we need to kill Rizzio by a poison that can't be traced. Obviously, Eleanor is hesitant about this, and she (laughs) talks to her husband, and her husband is like, no, we quit the cult. And Mary says, no. And by the way, Eleanor, you need to marry someone else because I don't like your husband now. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And so they're, they're obviously like very hesitant about this stuff yeah uh and then may says wait wait you you didn't understand me right we're not actually going to kill sam rizzio we're just going to use the poison in a ritual because we're going he he's haunted by 10 priests she says she loves a good gaggle of people together (laughs) yeah (laughs) and she says he needs to be rid of these priests these priests that are haunting him and then his mind will get right and then he'll be cleansed and then he'll he'll understand the truth of the cult because right now he doesn't understand the truth of it which is why he's trying to pull ruth away right and so we need the poison because the ritual requires a circle of poison in this it's a whirling dervish ceremony where you have to spin around or whatever but it requires this ring of poison around around the whole sort of spell site or ritual site or whatever and uh this logic is so interesting (laughs) yeah yeah uh and uh and so and then she says just make sure it's actual poison otherwise the ceremony won't work Uh. 
And Eleanor and her husband are like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) And so, but this is pretty slick. Eleanor just mixes colored dye with water and says, here's your real, very real poison that will definitely work. (laughs) Um, Mary's assistant, or sorry, May's assistant shows up, gets the poison. And then the Sandroskis quit and left and they weren't harassed about it. Oh, so they got out. I think they kind of were like, all right, just get out of here and don't. Because clearly they seemed like they were going to, like, be disruptive. Yeah. Because they were, like, their conscience was not cool with what was happening. Right. And if this was real, like, I wonder if thinking Mary think Sorry, May? May. May, yeah. sorry. May thinking that she gave this person poison and he lived that what she did was successful. I wonder if she really believed it where she was just using it as a ploy to kill someone. I don't know. Well, I think the subtext here is that May was actually going to poison this guy and just use the ritual as an excuse to get Eleanor to make the poison because Eleanor was like a pharmacist or something. I think I left that out. Like, mm-hmm. could, had the ability. I think they to, called him chemists. Oh, no, that's chemist. England. <laughs> An alchemist. <laughs> yes. uh, so, the Sandroskis quit and they weren't harassed. There's. Uh, one account is that the ceremony was successful and then he ran away and was never seen again. The other account was that maybe they made up the entire ritual just to explain why they needed the poison. They made up the whole idea of the ritual to explain. Mm-hmm. May made it up to explain why they needed the, the to, to Eleanor why she needed the poison and then she poisoned him and killed him. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a few there's three different like theories about what happened to Sam Rizzio, but like clearly some shit is afoot. Right. Right. That is clear. <laughs> <laughs> so um okay. Last little section here is the fall of the cult. Clifford Dabney. He just sounds he just sounds like a rich kid, doesn't he? Oh, little Clifford Dabney. (laughs) Clifford Dabney. He was a rich oil millionaire kid, a well-educated and upstanding citizen. His job was basically to look for oil-rich properties, and he would go out, find oil-rich properties, buy them up, and then split the uh, money with his uncle or something. Mm -hmm. So that's how he made his money. Um, He was also one of the earliest sort of investors in... The um, the cult. So <laughs> May, I forget how they were connected, but May um, and Clifford get to talking, and she's like, "Oh, you're looking for oil? Guess what? I'm writing a book that has Solomon's Lost Measurements in it, which will teach you how to find gold games and gold gems and oil. No it can make way. you rich. Gold games, gold <laughs> games, gold gems, and even oil, and it can make you rich. Help me finance my book." <laughs> Wow. Did and so, she ever publish this book? No. <laughs> we're, really? <laughs> we're getting to that. <laughs> uh, but spoiler alert, no. Um, help me finance my book. Dabney, like, agrees and is, like, really looking forward to getting this angelic knowledge of how to, like, multiply his riches and find oil and whatever. Um, and he's given the name The Hereafter and Now, and his wife is given the name The Holy Keystone. Um, the holy keystone light (laughs) so may kept making promises and he was bought in and she would keep leading him 
more and more down this kind of like you know uh clickbaity path (laughs) 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 for a long because i can't think of a different word um uh he wanted those oil fields but she never published the book so finally he gets tired of chasing uh, this stuff with no results, no return on investment. So he goes to the police and said he's been defrauded. And that's how the the cult gets on the cop's radar. Mm. But they say they can't really help him because she was promising supernatural results, uh, which is more or less protected on the freedom for the exercise of religion. Like you, like if a pastor claims that, you know, faith will get you X, Y, Z and you put money in the offering plate, like they can't, arrest him for fraud mm-hmm. you know that's um, on shaky ground for me i don't know if i agree with that well I but mean, i guess how could you prove that you eh, i don't know it's I feel like it's that's... it's not yeah it's just in the eyes of the way that the precedents have gone for the law in the u.s there's not much you can do about people promising supernatural yeah. results like because it's not fraud it's exercise of religion that's so interesting i never heard about that as applied to (laughs) religion before yeah it's it's pretty messed up um okay so the police do though they start looking into some of the direct deaths surrounding the cult and suddenly relatives and family members of 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 um or family of cult members are starting to call in and saying like, I haven't seen my family member for this many years. Um, and then they got a tip on Willow Rhodes, the, the girl that was buried under the floorboards and the caller gives this anonymous caller gives this address of the parents. And so eventually the cops tear up the floorboards, everyone and the, and they find Willa and everyone goes nuts, and the media is all over, and it becomes this big national story. So, May is arrested. She's found guilty of eight charges of grand theft. And she is sent all set to go to San Quentin, but she's being held in L.A. Then her attorney appeals, and he claims that the deaths are unconnected with, the, with, with all of the charges that she sort of brought up on. Um, which is true because she'd be in charge for grand theft Um, and that the accusations of fraud don't hold up because may is practicing religion. So it's not like a business. And as crazy, as crazy as her claims are, there's nothing that the courts can do about it. So when it's appealed to the Cal, the sort of higher court in California, uh, it's overturned. She gets off. um, But by that time, the cult has basically dwindled and it's, sort of done okay so she never publishes the book but she does publish a book in the mid 30s called the origin of god which is like Hmm. the most like grandiose title i think i've ever heard of anything the origin of god let me tell you where god came from but (laughs) she's got the background knowledge (laughs) yeah and it does um it does contain some of the revelations that she got that she was going to publish in the um seventh trumpet of gabriel um but she never publishes the seventh trumpet of gabriel clearly because the world is still here yeah Mm. Um, so in the end, May and Ruth had defrauded their followers of over $300,000, which is about $4 million today. Woo! 
and they were responsible for many horrific deaths. And I know this is not a true crime podcast, but I thought because it was like a weird cult that it would qualify. We've covered covered kind of crime adjacent things before. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is as true crimey as I as I ever want to get on here. But um, that is the story of the Blackburn cult. Thank you. That was awesome. Wow. Yeah. I think it's always, and I I think that's probably why the cults podcast is so popular, but Mm -hmm. I think it's always interesting to hear how people can use beliefs or people's willingness to believe in something in order to defraud them. (laughs) Yeah. And... And I always wonder, like, how much does the leader actually believe and how much are they just being yeah. a great manipulator? Yeah. And I yeah. just, I always find it fascinating. So and thank I, you. Yeah, I think, and I think the, conc- like, the consensus that I heard in different, sort of different sources was that May originally was tricking people, but eventually became sort of deluded and mm. sort of believed some of it. Yeah. I don't know that Ruth did, but. Maybe she was like. Just in a position where she was trying to convince everyone. Yeah. That... You can kind of like self hypnotize her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like say it so much that you start believing it yourself. Right. Yeah. Right. right. I believe it. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Cool. <laughs> cool. Cool. Okay. Whenever you're ready. Okay. Cool. Um, so I'm going to take on a topic that was briefly mentioned by Jake in the last episode um titled Everlasting Faint I believe yes <laughs> Everlasting Faint <laughs> um and this is The Hand of Glory um it just sounds like a glory hole to me oh no <laughs> I'm sorry I had to I had no. to say it right out of the bat I'd be lying if I said I hadn't thought about that too <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anna Marie get your get your mind out of the gutter I, I'm get sorry your mind out of the gutter <laughs> Um, okay, so my sources are one of my favorite websites, Atlas Obscura, had a really cool article on this, um, occultworld.com, just for, you know, that practical side mm-hmm. of things, and Wikipedia. Oh. Um, so, Hand of Glory is the dried and pickled hand of a person who has been hanged for committing a crime. Excuse me, I did not know they were pickled. Yeah. yeah. Like pickled in like vinegar and sugar and all oh, that. We'll get into Okay. I'm so excited for the recipe and I can try it at home. There's Go no ahead. wiki how, but. <laughs> but there is a recipe. There is a recipe. Good. Um, so often is the left hand that is cut off or if the person was hanged for murder specifically, then the hand that was used to commit the murder is the one that should be cut off. That's spooky. Yeah. Um. So these hands were thought to have magical powers, which is why people actually went out of they went out of their way. Um, to yeah, you, have to, you have to like really go out of your way to get one of these things. Yeah, like, hmm, what's my to do list for the day? You don't just yeah, you don't find one on the sidewalk. <laughs> or maybe you do. I mean, uh, who knows? Um, so specifically, if you make a candle from the fat of the same corpse that the hand was taken from and place it in the hand of glory kind of like a candlestick (laughs) then this is what gives it this is some innovative stuff here yeah so are you saying the the hand you like put it face up on the table and then you like 
put a candle on top of it? No. So the way that it works is you have a hand and you like the hand becomes clenched like a fist and then you put the candle in between two of the fingers. So that's one way that people make hands of glory. Um, Another way is all five fingers are stretched out and then the hand is dipped in wax and then the fingers are lit like candles. Okay. That's so grody. Yeah. Um, This is a very grody episode. Yeah, it gets worse. Don't you worry. Um, And so like I said, this is what gives the hand of glory its power um and some of those powers include so if you're if you encounter the hand of glory then you're not able to move so thieves for example would light the hand of glory before entering a house so that the charm would keep all of the residents in a deep sleep um so they can be robbed so then you have to go throughout the house holding this hand supposedly that is whole has a candle in it or the fingertips are on fire yes that seems like an inconvenience but Maybe. That's just that's just my style. I mean, it's it'd be more inconvenient to be confronted by the <laughs> sleeping people. That's true. Um, so it can also give you the power of invisibility, um, or it can give you the power to unlock any door you come across. Oh, <laughs> this is I think the use I've heard of it for. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think another name for it. There are a couple names, but another name is like the thieves' candle. Mm-hmm. So it's it was primarily used by thieves to theft sounds like yeah. unsavory magic yeah sounds like black magic it is i was right <laughs> <laughs> good job <laughs> um and what's interesting is the only way that you can put out the flames of the hand of glory is by pouring milk over it oh yeah so there's this one wait story. imagine how that thing would smell after a while oh. with just like a hand that's pickled and covered in wax and just covered in layers of just like old milk, milk. Ooh. putrid putrid oh nasty if they don't wake up like when you're breaking in someone's house they're gonna wake up if you don't light it because it's gonna smell <laughs> so bad like, what's that smell and just open up a cabinet <laughs> just sitting there it's, it's yeah. a spoiled hand yeah um, so there's a story from the 16th century uh, of a young woman who discovered a thief breaking into um, her employer's home. She was a um, one of the homeowner's servants. Um, and the thief had a hand of glory. So at one point she was alone with the hand, so I guess you can put it down. Um, and she tried everything to extinguish the flame. She tried beer, water, blowing out the hand like a birthday cake it's like a trick candle <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, i want this damn thing to blow out. <laughs> um so then just out of desperation she just happened to be like let's just try some milk um and that did it uh and then the family who were placed under the spell of the hand of glory woke up and the thief was caught so trial and error why was she not affected i don't i think she was awake to begin with oh she was already awake gotcha. yeah so if you're asleep, it keeps you asleep. But if you're awake, I I'm, I got a couple of different answers about that. This doesn't sound very scientific. Jake, shh. <laughs> I'm putting on my skeptic cap. I'm putting on my Melissa hat. Oh, ooh, Melissa's called out. Thinking like a non-believer. It's not a it's not a bad thing to be skeptical. No, it's just like part of your personality. Yeah. 
it's good I'm to... skeptical of this support. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, maybe you should be. <laughs> Just kidding, we're supportive. Um... <laughs> You're so sweet. <laughs> I can't even pretend to not be supportive. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, um, so there are also versions of the story where the wick on the hand is made from the hair of the dead person that the hand was taken from. Um, and also that the candle will only give light to the person holding it. So, oh, if you're, yeah. So like if you, if you're holding the hand, correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, you're holding the hand, it's got the flame on it. Yeah. Someone else would not see that same light. You'd, they'd still see the darkness. Yes. Okay. That's very convenient if you're a thief. Yes. This was really, really big in the thieves turn of the century technology (laughs) for centuries and centuries turn of the millennia (laughs) the medieval century (laughs) although there are multiple of those (laughs) anyway so let's get down to the process what we've all been waiting for um so not so much a wiki how like i said but this grimoire of natural and kabbalistic magic from 1722 Two called the Petit Albert, which was, I guess, inspired by Albert the Great, I think, um, provides a detailed description of how to make a hand of glory. Ooh. I'm a big Albert the Great fan. Yeah. I, so, that's why I looked at you when I said that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Little Albert. There's a lot of grimoires that were sort of like supposedly written in the name of Albert the Great, but mm. like... People are pretty sure Albert the Great never wrote a real grimoire. Yeah. Because he was, you know. Are you guys a saying. Doctor of the Church. Sorry to interrupt. Are you saying memoir or grimoire? What Grim, grimoire? Grimoire. A gr- oh, you, your story. You can, so you can explain. explain. What's a. Is it grimoire? Grimoire. G R I M O I R E. A grimoire is basically like a magical cookbook. <gasps> so it's like. It's like a, a tome that sort of like contains spells and esoteric knowledge and like gives you sort of ritual practices and stuff like that. So people would compile these like big books of, of magic called grimoires and a lot of times they would attribute them to figures like Solomon or like you said Albert the Great or whatever or they'd be anonymous or whatever. I'm, so. I thank you. <clears throat> for explaining that i am thinking of the book from pocus pocus with the eye on it mm. yes mm. <laughs> yeah, delicious anyway that's not what i meant um, <laughs> um, <laughs> wait are you saying that book is delicious no i'm i'm about to give the instructions on how to make a hand I'm, I'm hungry for this knowledge I'm deflecting. Um, okay, so... You make a good politician. <laughs> Ooh, don't say that. Uh, um, okay, so from this book, this is, this is what the book says on how to make it. Take the right or left hand of a felon who is hanging from a gibbet beside a highway. Wait, what is a gibbet? It is... Um, basically the structure word yeah it is um the structure used to hang someone in public oh so it's a gallows but not the noose basically gotcha 
Um, maybe the noose is... I'm not really sure if the noose is involved. I don't really know. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. Um, but I know that at least involves that structure. Cool. Yeah. A gibbet. Yeah. Um, so take the hand. Wrap it in part of a funeral pall and so wrap squeezed it well. So you're squeezing the blood out of it. <laughs> then put it in into an earthenware vessel with zimmet, which I don't really know what that is. Um, nitra salt and long peppers this is where the pickling comes in uh the whole well powdered leave it in the vessel for fortnight then take it out and expose it to full sunlight during the dog days until it becomes quite dry so leave it really hot heat oh dog days like dog days of summer yeah okay um if the sun is not strong enough put it in an oven with fern and vervain which are both uh herbs yeah um, next, make a candle from the fat of the gibbeted felon. Virgin wax, which I'm not really sure what that is. Wax has never been used before. Mm, there you go. Uh, sesame and pony. Now, I have to stop and for a second and say that there are actually arguments over what pony actually is. Some people say that it's basically horse manure. So again, coming back to the horses... Um, Everything comes back to horses. Yes, it does. Um, and then others are just like, well, like, whoever wrote it just didn't really know what it was. So <laughs> there, there are debates. Um, so you take all these, you make the candle out of all these things, and you use the hand of glory you as... You make the candle out of literal shit. I like to think by pony, yeah. they mean that song, Pony. By Genuine. By Genuine. Blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I, the reason I want to highlight that is because think now about how bad this thing smells. And the music that's playing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you light the candle, pony just starts playing. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, so then you use the hand of glory as a candlestick to hold this candle when lighted. And then those in every place into which you go with this baneful instrument shall remain motionless. Wow. And I end my quote there. Um, That's so intense. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's taken from a glimoire. We should form a metal band called Baneful Instrument. Mm. And every time we take out our instruments, we just announce we are now taking out our Baneful Instruments. These are the Baneful Instruments. You shall now remain motionless. (laughs) And listen. (laughs) Have you seen the Metalocalypse episode where they make everybody's head explode? Yes, actually. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking about one of those situations. Anyway, sorry Basically to that. derail. Yeah, go ahead. So you're saying we should be a band that makes music, which makes people not want to dance or move? <laughs> no, they want to dance. They just can't because oh. they're beholden to the baneful instrument. Yes. All right. So now, ideally, ideally, the corpse is still hanging from the gallows when the hand is severed or if it's cut during a lunar eclipse. So there is an ideal situation here, scenario. So the perfect situation is that the, the body is hanging during a lunar eclipse and you cut it off fresh. Yes. But if one of those conditions isn't met, the other one's fine. I guess. I'm taking notes here. Yeah. Because <laughs> after this episode, we have to go do this. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I did actually Google how to make a hand of glory. To get kind of this process. I also, You're on a list now. I also looked 
Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Um, this is a very illegal artifact. Oh, no. Well, there was... There was... Uh, and there was... Um, oh, my gosh. What do you call it? A website? <laughs> yes. Ever heard of it? <laughs> now Anna Marie's got the giggles. I'm not the only one that gets the giggles. No, I once I start, I don't stop. So, God help you all. <laughs> um... Anyway, so I was looking you for... You getting blacklisted. <laughs> yeah, as I was getting blacklisted, I saw a website for how to make a hand of glory for a Halloween costume. So I can't be the only one to have ever Googled okay. how to make a yeah. hand of glory. I was just doing it for Halloween costumes. research. Yeah. And research. It's always research. Um, Alright, so there's also a way to shield your house with the power... I'm sorry, from the power of a hand of glory. And I will tell you how to do that. So you rub the threshold or other parts of the house. So the doors, the windows, the chimneys, whatever. Anywhere that people can enter in. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, you don't want Santa to get in. No. no. (laughs) If Santa has a hand of glory, no, you don't want it. It's over. It's over. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Maybe that's why no one's ever seen him, because he always carries one. And when he enters your house... Oh my god, we just cracked it. We just cracked cracked the the mystery. Oh man. So any kid that was traumatized by the reveal that Santa doesn't exist, we can just sit them down and explain and explain that Santa's just <laughs> silly holding. child. He's just got a hand of glory. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, he went up to a guy that had just been hanged on a lunar eclipse, and he cut his hand off, rubbed shit all over it, and made it into a, a candle. And pick, it was pickled. It's just normal Santa stuff. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, okay, so so you rub the thresholds of the house. <laughs> this is a weird word to use. Um, with an unguent or a soothing substance for wounds and burns. I don't know if I'm saying that right. but um, And this is made from the gall of a black cat. The fat of a white hen and the blood of a screech owl. Got that? Good. I got. Okay. I'm writing it down. Good. Um, and this this mixture needs to be made when it's really hot as well during okay. those dog days. So cat plus chicken plus owl. Yes. Equals. Equals protection. Hand from, of glory protection. Yes. Basically, your own security system. Ooh. Um, all right, so to give some like more background on this, so it was common for people in medieval Europe and those under um, Islamic law as well uh, to amputate the body part of a criminal that was used to commit the crime. Um, so this punishment... Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So that might have been like actually readily available if thieves were getting their hands cut off. Right. Yes. Okay, that makes... Yeah. Better? That makes it better? <laughs> but also worse? Uh, yeah, yeah, no one's going out of their way, it sounds like. They're already doing it. Might as well just, just take like, that hand I mean, home. I guess if these hands are just being severed, I'll take it. <laughs> At that point, you could just pick them up in the grocery store. Oh. Yeah. It's fine. Um, so, and this punishment was... Uh, served as a warning to others so that if you follow in this person's footsteps, you will end up in the same boat, basically, with your hand cut off. 
or your limb cut off. Um, and it's likely that this tradition comes from the Code of Hammurabi, uh, which is a Babylonian code of laws from ancient Mesopotamia enacted by Hammurabi, who was the sixth Babylonian king. Um, so in this text, which is one of the oldest translated writings in the world, dating back to uh, 1772 BC, um, I'm sorry, BCE, uh, the principle of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth really took root. So literally if some dude knocks your eye out, like his You get eye, his eye. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now jumping over to Europe specifically, um, the severed hands of criminals were displayed like relics to prevent similar situation. So again, as a warning to be like, don't even think about stealing. Mm. It's bad. Um, and there's actually still the arm of a thief dangling in some church in Prague. Still there. What? Yeah. It's just like hanging from the ceiling. Oh my gosh. Yikes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, over on the flip side of that, sometimes these severed hands were used to commit crimes instead of prevent them as well. Um, and this is where the hand of glory comes in. Um, I also want to point out, so I don't, my notes don't go too much into this, but there's a really great episode of Lore where, um, Andrew Mankey talks about, uh, things like corpse medicine and also like the power that the body holds Mm -hmm. um so he mentions that uh the bodies of criminals were thought to hold all this power because if you're a thief and you're able to steal from someone else it means that you have some sort of power over other people Mm. so that's why they would cut off the body parts of this person of the thief Mm -hmm. um to then use to have power themselves that's so interesting. Yeah, it's a really great episode. I definitely recommend it. Um, so yeah, so again, an example of another example, I guess, of the hand of glory is burglars would use them to break into houses and put the sleeping people um, of the house into comas so that they wouldn't be able to wake up. So, like I mentioned, just puts them into a deeper sleep. Even after they're gone, <clears throat> the thieves, the coma. Wait. They leave them in a coma even after they're uh, even after the thief leaves. No, once once the <coughs> I was about to say putting somebody into a coma to rob their house is kind of extra. That's, yeah, yeah, that's serious. Yeah. No, it's just like it's just it puts them into a very like deep sleep basically. Okay. While the, but it's only when so the they hand get robbed, but they wake up feeling really refreshed. Maybe, maybe that's it. So they're actually, the thieves are actually doing everyone a favor. Yeah, uh, really, uh, if you think about it. <laughs> oh, that could be a good service. Like, How much I can't get to sleep at night. I can't stay asleep through the whole night. Can you just bring that hand over and hang out my house? Yeah. yeah. I'll pay you whatever you rob me. <laughs> just, I just need to get to sleep. <laughs> um, okay. And another interesting thing is that if one of the candles in the hand of glory... Um, so this would have to be the method of putting a wick on each finger. Um, if one didn't light, then the burglar would see it as a sign that someone in the house was still awake. So they would know not to go into the house. Interesting. Um, and I read somewhere that specifically it's the thumb. I don't know why, but, um, interesting. Yeah. So I have a story from Germany, um, which gives an example of this. So 
One night, an old man knocked on the door of a woman whose husband just died and in death left all of his possessions to his wife since they didn't have any children. Uh, the woman at first didn't want to let them this man in, understandably, I think, um, but finally agreed to let him sleep over in the hayloft. So during the night, when everyone in the house had fallen asleep, um, the old man was still awake uh, and he heard footsteps in the entryway. Uh, he crept out of the bed and saw three shadowy figures with weird-looking candles moving through the main room. Uh, seeing the candles closer, uh, candles that were made specifically out of the toes of unborn children. And this is uh, another part of the Hand of Glory that I just didn't really want to get into. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's really messed up. Extremely messed up. Um, but the man knew that these figures were about to rob the house, so I guess he was familiar with them. Uh, this kind of thing. So the robbers were then unable to move um, when the man approached them with a counter spell to use um, to protect the house against the robbers. Uh, so then when they were unable to move, the man extinguished the candle and woke up the woman. The woman approaching the scene with a light herself saw that it was her three brothers-in-law <laughs> um, and she then asked the old man to remove the spell, which he did, and then her brothers-in-law left shamefully so they had their own oh. walk of shame and i guess she was just like oh well like if we let them go they won't do it ever again oh they just were like well called us bye yeah, basically yeah um so hands of glory are also associated with witches and witchcraft um so in 1588 for example two german women named nichelle and bessers i don't know if that's right but we're gonna go with it um were Accused of exhuming corpses, making ha hands of glory, and then using those hands to immobilize the victims that they then po poisoned. Um, and then another story takes place in Scotland in 1590 um, of a man who was accused of using a hand of glory to break into a church for the purpose of performing a service to the devil. So there's that connection again to like the black magic. Huh. I mean, it's black magic. A lot magic. of bad things going on there. Yeah. Besides just hands. Yeah. Besides <laughs> just hands. Yep. Um. Yeah. So am I correct in thinking that Hands of Glory is like old world magic, and as like you know, Christianity didn't you know agree with it or or think it was for good purposes or is it just all in general you wouldn't use a hand of glory for anything good i mean i didn't find any accounts of anything good being used okay. Okay. Uh, i think i think the issue for me the reason i'm so like about it is because you gotta you gotta defile somebody's corpse for it yeah, yeah. you know which is yeah kind of fucked i mean that's step one yeah. not, <laughs> step one not great <laughs> step two use it to rob people yeah. again not great right. okay um yeah yeah so i mean i mean if an ingredient involves like cutting up somebody's body after yeah. they're dead yeah probably yeah. not doesn't feel good okay yeah, yeah. okay um so you can actually uh, see a hand of glory today um, at Where? the Whitby Museum in North Yorkshire, England. Um, and there's a text that's with the display of this hand 
um, from a book that was published in 1832 that gives another description of the process of how to make a hand of glory. So just a little bit more, a little bit extra to the recipe here. Um, so the quote says, It must be cut from the body of a criminal on the gibbet, pickled in salt, in the urine of a man, woman, dog, horse, and mare. Sm- and? and? And. Not or? No. And. That's so much piss. And. <laughs> and. Just going around town. Oh I just goodness. need a little bit of your pee. And I need your horse's <laughs> pee, too. Pee. <laughs> and your dog's pee. Oh, my And your God. wife's pee. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, then it's smoked. It needs to be smoked with herbs and hay for a month. Get that nice barbecue hand going. <sighs> Yeah, you're probably in the process of drying it out, preserving it. Yes, yeah. Um, then you hang it on an oak tree for th- three nights running. Um, so three nights in a row. Uh, then lay it at a crossroads. Then hang it on a church door for one night while the maker keeps watch in the porch. Um, and then if there's no fear while the person is sitting on the porch, then the hand quote, be true one and it be yours. So a little See, steps. even if I got through all of those steps, I would be so paranoid sitting on the porch of the of the church that somebody was gonna like find me that I can never complete the last step. Yeah. So basically you have to be super ballsy or really stupid. Yes. Yeah, there are a lot of steps involved. This particular text just adds a couple more things in there. Gotta hang it in a bunch of places. Yeah. You have to um, carry it everywhere you go. It sounds yeah. like you're just taking it all around town. Yes. And that's not even and at that and point. It's so stinky. Yeah. It's probably very stinky. <laughs> I don't know if the herbs and hay that you smoke in it makes it any better. Probably not. But who knows? Um, anyway, that is the hand of glory. Oh my goodness. That was so cool. I, I didn't know the backstory and I, as you were describing it, I was thinking this kind of reminds me of Hammurabi's code mm-hmm. and it actually has like goes back to that a little bit. So I didn't even know that. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. I didn't know that there was a connection there either. Um, it's so interesting because mm-hmm. you'd think like then you would, you know, you steal with your hand. Sometimes you get your hand cut off or stealing or whatever it is. Right. Um, and that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I think I think this episode has gone from uh, the silly into the gruesome on a pretty steady <laughs> decline curve here. Not even a curve, just a straight line. Yeah. Uh, so a little something for everybody, <laughs> <laughs> no matter where you are. Instagram at Weird Obscure Podcast. Or if you like to tweet, you can find us on the old twitter.com at Weird Obscure Pod. Also, Matt. You hear me, Matt? Matt Baker? Mr. Baker? Thank you so much for the artwork. It's truly amazing, and we very much appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. You rock, buddy. 
Let's wrap this puppy up with uh, some good SpongeBob oh, quotes. Puppies. Oh, puppies! <laughs> so many dead puppies in this episode. Don't We're trying me. to end in a positive note with <laughs> with our favorite SpongeBob quotes. And lots of alive puppies. Jake, good. Jake, you start us off. Um. Oh. Okay. East. I thought you said weast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I wumbo you. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I gotta do it again. <laughs> I wumbo. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> That's just so funny. You have to keep all this in there. You cannot <laughs> cut any of this out. No. Alright, I gotta do it. I gotta do it quick. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I wombo, you wombo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Stop. <laughs> you, need to, you need to help me by I'm not, not laughing. <laughs> I wombo. <laughs> Damn it, that, that's what gets me. Okay. <clears throat> Are you done? <laughs> Go. Anna what's your quote? <laughs> I wumbo, you wumbo, he, she, we, wumbo. <laughs> Alright, I changed mine. I'm gonna do ravioli, ravioli, give me the formuoli. Great. <laughs> nice. Excellent. Alright, thanks for listening. Bye. Thanks, everyone. We'll Bye. see you guys later. Bye. Bye.